I find referrals to be the hardest thing to scale. If the person that's referring you the business is not growing as fast as you are, it's not going to be growth at the same rate. I think you should be getting cases from a variety of sources, not just one channel. And you should look at what's already working and how can you make it work more. Welcome to the Tip the Skills podcast, where we discuss running and growing your law firm. I'm your host, Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of Laric. Today, I am joined by one of my best friends, Jennifer Gore. I am so excited to get to sit down with her again. We talked about how much she has blown up in the past year. We talked about her social media. We talked about something that I've been struggling with, and I think every leader does, which is decision fatigue. We even secret shopped her intake. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Welcome. So excited. I feel like I haven't seen you in so long. I know. How come we don't hang out? It's been days. Uh, it's been a year since we've last recorded. That is wild to me. That's actually wild that it's been yeah. a full year. Let's talk about all the growth you've had. Even in the past year, you've blown up. Like, I can't go anywhere with you without you getting stopped and asked for a fucking picture. This is like only in like a very small, like, niche group of people. (laughs) At every conference, though. Yeah, I mean, I go to a lot of conferences, I guess. You do. And at every conference, somebody's like, oh, my God, I follow you. Can we do Oh, yeah. You know, I just, like, I think it's just the idea that we put up a video every single day, 365 days of the year. Is that what you do? Yeah. So, like, even Saturday and Sunday. So I just think it's just volume. And yesterday we were talking about LinkedIn. Oh, and I posted something. I should go see how that. Yeah. So I think LinkedIn's like an underutilized social media platform um, that has a totally different audience than Instagram or TikTok. And um, I find it's like really beneficial for recruiting and hiring and in the legal space. So you've actually had a few lawyers find you employees now i've had my hr director she was following me on um linkedin and we had mutual connections because it shows like you know you know these people and i think you know the linkedin content's a little more you know it's a totally different type of content than like tiktok so i think our stuff maybe stands out because we're we're posting videos which i don't think a ton of people are posting videos on linkedin i didn't even know you could do that till you told me yesterday yeah so it's kind of disruptive in that way which i love and um it's a platform that most lawyers are on what i find works better on linkedin though is if you really put like some thought into your posts so we might put some different words do you use a little AI helper? Yeah, we've been looking at that now. Definitely try to clean up my posts with at least chat GPT, like polish this, rewrite this. Okay, so there's something I want to do. I, I don't know if we can pull it off. Okay. I want to secret shop your intake. Right now? Right now. That would be great. Can we? Yeah, let's okay, do Okay, but you got to give me a script. You, what do you mean? You're going to pretend to be an yeah, injured what do I party? I think of something like bad. No, I don't want to do that. You don't want to manifest that? I don't want to manifest that. Could you be calling on behalf of your friend? See, this idea started because (laughs) we would go out, have, you know, some fun. And uh, after dinner, we would get the idea that we were going to call each other's firms and torture the person sitting there having to listen. Are we calling David or my friend? You. Here. This call is being recorded. See, I don't know if that's a bad thing. Thank you for calling. I don't like that. Calls may be recorded. Thank you for calling me at Learn the Personal Injury Law Group. This is Anna. How may I help you today? 
Hi, Anna. I'm calling because I was injured in an accident. Okay, I'll be happy to help you. What's your first name? Maria. She's not very friendly. She's not. So this is our um, overflow call center. Kicking it back over to our team. Um, but thank God they answered the phone. That's where we're in good territory there. But see, I would want to go check why it went into overflow. The bigger issue statistically is that if the phone doesn't get answered within like two rings, people just hang up. So we do a lot of things to make sure that just at least the phone gets answered. Which call center? I don't know. I was in an ambulance. Some so some compassion. She did not sound sorry. Um, can I talk with an attorney right now? My friend over there works over there. Her name is Alexa. Can I talk to her? I want to see like how hard they fight to keep someone on the phone because I think that's the other thing is like if the person gets off the phone, you you're losing them. Auditing is like the number one thing in law firms that I think most people don't do. No, they don't. You're like really like on people about intake because it gets imputed to us it's like oh you know my cases are down this month well anything changed with your intake yeah we have a new intake specialist okay well who's training who's listening well, they, you, you need to say like how many qualified cases came in yep. versus how many did you sign oh but they're like oh, this is the answer i get every single time oh no no, no. when we want a case we get it and I'm that's like, well, that's a lot how do you know that you wanted the case if you're not monitoring I mean, you have to have different data sets. You have to have qualified versus converted. And I don't know any firm, even the best of the best, that has a 100% conversion no. rate. You know, 90, I think 95, is, 95 is really good. Yeah. But if you're saying you get every case, you are disconnected from Absolutely. <laughs> your data. <laughs> it's like me saying my diet's perfect 100% of the time. No. Like nobody's diet is perfect 100% of the time. And also, there's just a certain number of people that they have a case and they're just not ready to move forward for whatever the right. reason. You could be the best of the best. Hello, is this Maria? Uh, yes, this is Maria. Hi, Maria. This is Alexa with Atlanta Personal Injury Law Group. I'm sorry to hear about your accident that you were in. Um, when did this accident happen? Yesterday. Oh, it just happened. And how are you feeling since then? Terrible. Terrible. Talk to me a little bit about the accident, how it, how it happened and, and what kind of injuries you have. Well, I broke my leg. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is like her so right hand person. Did you hit it against the dash? How did that happen? Um, I, I, I was passed out, honestly. Oh, okay. How <laughs> is she not noticing? So was it a total loss accident? Did your, Was it uh, a total car? I'm just trying to find out. Can you guys sign me up right now? Yes, we can sign you up. Uh, I just want to make sure that I have the details to send over in any kind of contract. And I just want to understand, you know, the full scope of, you know, your injuries as well as just how the accident occurred. I'm on vacation here in Las Vegas. Okay. <laughs> um, what? So did the accident happen here in Oregon or did it happen when you were in Vegas? Alexa, it's me, Jen. Oh my god! <laughs> we're we're doing an audit on the system right now. <laughs> Live. I'm in the middle of a thirty day review right now. I had to like completely pivot what was going on here. We're so sorry to interrupt. We just wanted to see if we could actually get someone from the team on on the phone, and you guys pass with flying colors. We're, we're burning firm resources here yeah. right now. <laughs>
<laughs> and podcast time. But um, yeah, I, I would say could have gone better, could have gone worse. I Obviously, wish they had picked up. Like I, that's what I would want to know if I were you. I Why think, didn't they pick up? I think um, if they get simultaneous calls at the same time, or you know, someone we have multiple people on at the same time. If someone's on a break, maybe you know they push it to this the answering service. But what I will say is, I'm glad that I didn't get pushed off the phone because I think that's an issue. Absolutely. Um, and then you can tell like your in house people are so much more engaging. Uh, oh my gosh, she's like, great though. Yeah, like she she's so personable. Was more compassionate yeah. to me, and you hear like her tone of voice and like her authority. She's interested. Yeah. Versus, I think the call center people they just get. But burned. a lot of times it's not even the call center people. It's like your actual staff is the one that sounds the way that the call center sounded. Oh, or I worse. hope not. <laughs> and I'm not saying yours, but like in general, what I'm saying is like firms need to make sure that their in their actual internal employees sound like Alexa. You have to be genuinely like, wow, I'm so sorry. Like you have to be a compassionate person. Right. <clears throat> yeah, there has to be empathy. Absolutely. What has the past year been like? Because one of the last times we spoke was coincided with you speaking at Daryl Isaac's conference and i feel like ever since then you have blown up going to daryl's event and having him um you know give me that opportunity led to a lot of other you're also a great speaker and you know that i would never compliment you if i didn't mean it you know i just feel like it kind of like put me on a larger like platform where people were like oh I could have her speak at my event. Especially because you're female. Yeah. And I feel like there's a need for female speakers generally. Absolutely. I feel like I also leveraged everything that I ever did on social media. So like it wasn't like I just spoke at the event. Then we pushed it out on all the platforms, the newsletter. Like we leveraged it into every other channel. Has that resulted in referrals from other firms? Yeah. We get referrals all over the country. That's great. So if you want to send us any cases in Georgia. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think also I've like tried, I've met so many people by going to events. I've learned so much. Like the biggest thing I can say about going to events is like you might meet one person that changes the course of your firm. I think it's like a numbers game. Like, or business. Yeah. I've had very like certain people that have changed the course of Lauren. One thing can happen. And I think if you're open to thinking of events that way, you're going to get a lot out of it. People say, well, why are you, what are you here? What's your exact purpose? And I know there's people that have very detailed, like, I'm going to get this done. But I also think you need to leave some possibility for like, I could find out about a software at this conference or meet a person. But not only have you grown in terms of like becoming an influencer in the space, for lack of a better word, but your firm has really grown. Yeah, we've like almost doubled in size in the last year. So that's been wild, but that's that was our plan. So in some ways, it feels like we're just executing the plan. And so we have a, a strategic plan for, you know, five years out, three years out, one year out. And then we're just basically working the plan and, and building the firm in reverse engineer to the plan, you know? So but how, how do you generate the cases? Because I think that's everyone's like, sticking point right like they can have a plan but if they can't generate the cases well you know i'm huge on data yes so i think like what i tell a lot of lawyers is you need to have a very clear view of what is working for you currently 
So I talk to many lawyers at all these events. I say, how many cases did you sign up this month? They don't know. That's crazy to me. It's wild. Um, and then I say, okay. But do you think they don't know or do you think they're embarrassed to say? No, I think they don't know. I've, okay. I've worked with people and looking at their data and said, like, let's look at this. And so if you don't know where how many cases you're signing up on a monthly basis, and then further, you don't know where they're coming from, how can you do more? Like, how can you get more? Because you what's already for some firms, right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> what I found is that the data doesn't lie. So, like, okay, I'm, a lot of firms are getting referrals, right? And if all of your cases are coming from referrals, I find referrals to be the hardest thing to scale. Because if the person that's referring you the business is not growing as fast as you are, it's it's not going to be growth at the same rate, right? So um, I think you should be getting cases from a variety of sources, not just one channel. And you should look at what's already working and how can you make it work more. So like we're putting together our marketing plan for 2024. We do it in November. And we look at how many cases do we want to sign? We make like a hypothesis of if we do these things in marketing, we think that we'll be able to bring in this many cases. And then we just execute it, you know? And some of that is you like have to find out new ways to acquire cases. There's so many different ways to acquire cases. I mean, you should have a referral system. You should be acquiring cases digitally, like with what you do. I'm the biggest fan of that. You know, and... um. I think the biggest myth with the people that their whole business is on referrals is realistically, if they're paying attorney referral fees, that's their marketing dollars yep, right is. there. Yeah. And so sometimes it's more costly to do referrals than to just generate your own cases. Well, you have no control. You have no so control. That's the thing. Most of our clients are trial lawyers that come to us because they're like, Tired. I don't necessarily want to put my face on a billboard, but... I want control over the amount of cases that I am getting every month. And I don't want to have to pay that, you know, 30 to 50% fee. That 30 to 50% fee often is a hidden, like people don't even see that, you know, they don't see, oh my gosh, I'm really paying a lot. Oh no, I think for these referrals. I think they see it. I just think they ignore it, which is a whole other issue because it's like, why are you ignoring it? Yeah. But I feel like your podcast and kind of like your journey has been kind of the same as mine in the last year. Like the podcast just celebrated what? It's 50th. This, the one we released today was the 50th, but I'm interviewing you today. I know. I'm trying to like talk yeah, about, don't I'm trying to it. talk about law rank. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that, but no, we'll edit that out. No, we're not going to edit that. We're going to, when Jen tries to take over, because she, you did interview me once. You're the only time you've, yeah, you've been the only other It's so host. comfortable for me to just. Last time we did this, yeah, yeah, you yeah. interviewed me. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So you guys should actually listen to our previous episodes. Yeah, they were really fun. Because on the first one, we talked about hiring. Yeah, hiring. Why is hire? I still use that. Do you? Yeah. We've had some like glitches with it, but it's still working. And um, we. You know, I think attribute some of our success to our ability to hire last year. You just hired a litigator. Yeah, we hired a, a new litigator. and I like um, him a lot. Yeah, he's, he's really great. Cool. You know, I've had this experience in the last year of like working with people that I really like love to work with. I've taken that to heart. Because so, you said so, this to me right? maybe like six months ago. 
And I was like, never again am I hiring someone that I'm like, I don't want to hang out with you. Life's just too short to surround yourself with people that you just don't want to work with. It's not only that you don't want to work with them. Like the flip side is you're missing the opportunity to work with people that you love to work with. Yeah. And so I started putting these sticky notes all over my room. Uh, like I'm going to work with people that I love to work with. Like I feel like you have to put that out there. And then like now when I go to work, it's like I'm really happy. Like work is a pleasure. Yeah. You and have to love your team. There's no way around it. I think a lot of our friends have companies that have like incredible cultures and the teams are so loyal and committed. And I started saying like, I want that. I want people that are APLG people. And, you know, we're like, we're doing really magical things once you get the right people. And everybody needs to have a healthy level of respect for what everyone contributes to the organization. I'm not the best HR director. Like, But you have. We have an amazing one, but like... I don't feel the need to like think that I'm the best at every area of the law firm. Yeah. And I think you have to create space for other people to be amazing. I'm curious, what has been your biggest challenge in the past year? I still think hiring was I challenging. I you were going to say that because I, I talk to you all the time. I think hiring was challenging, but what I am really proud of is that we took something that was really hard and we put a lot of resources around it. But we also have been building a litigation team, which was a totally new thing because we were mostly a pre-lit team. Did you consult with someone on that? No, I mean we had we have a lot of mentors that are litigators in the space. Um but the thing is I hate to say this cuz I know you love litigators. Mm-hmm. And I I love litigators too, but oftentimes I find the litigators are the worst at the customer service aspects. So like I think they're the worst at marketing. Sometimes. Marketing, but like the client experience, like keep, keeping. Well, it's not a business to them. Yeah. So like oftentimes if we would collaborate with a law firm and have them doing some of the litigation on our cases, it would be a very negative experience for our client. So I was like, we need more control. We need to be able to control the client experience. And also, we wanted to be able to increase our case values. Can we talk about the little box you sent out or no? Our welcome box? Yeah. So, like, we copied you and now we're creating a welcome box for, like, onboarding a client. Yeah. I mean, like, it's the little things that, you know, you're trying to retain clients. You know, a lot of times once they just first sign up, you know, there's a lot of follow-up in the intake. And then when they come into the firm, you don't want the, the level of, like, responsiveness to like drop you know it's like everyone chases the lead until they sign and then once they sign they can be like oh underwhelmed by the legal experience we are definitely not perfect we are a work in progress but we're always just trying to get a little better and i think like it's it's cumulative change i mean you have to be willing to also see where your firm sucks (laughs) (laughs) and like recognize it and be like how are we gonna fix it it's painful sometimes to be like this area really sucks in the firm (laughs) i bet no i mean i get it you feel that way yeah definitely (laughs) and you're like oh shit we got to do something about this But, but if you're not able to recognize it how can you fucking fix it one area that was really also challenging this year was our finance department in the firm and you just hired a CFO, no? Yeah, we well, we ha- we had a fractional CFO, and that really got us really far for a long time. But my new thing is like, I'm really kind of against at my size of firm, or maybe even slightly smaller than mine. Having, How many employees do you have now? We have about forty. 
Wow. But like, congrats. Oh, thanks. Having fractional services can be such a benefit in the beginning. And when I say fractional, meaning you don't have your own in-house CFO, but you have like a portion of a CFO's time because it's cheaper. I think that can be a great bridge solution, especially when you're pretty small. At what point do you think you need to switch? When you're starting to have pain points. So like, I started to want to understand our numbers on a daily basis. So I get cash flow projections, revenue projections daily, and there's no fractional service that could provide that. You know what I mean? Like they want to do monthly reports or biweekly or whatever. And so ah, I was having like a lot of issues where I just felt like the level of, of energy and like what we needed we couldn't get from a fractional service. Well, you're very intense and very <gasps> intentional. Yeah, but it was like, th- this is what the business needs. Absolutely. The business needs somebody to be calling, like, why are these checks taking so long? And like, I just feel like once we put more intentionality on it and a person, like everything started to like move so much smoother. And I think the finance piece of a contingency business is one of the most complicated. It's just the fact that we get paid later. If you can shorten the time you're paid, you're making more money, right? And so if you're talking about firms that they're getting checks in and they're taking 60 to 90 days to deposit because there could be some kind of hiccup and the legal team hasn't agreed like, hey, we can we can deposit this. So there needs to be somebody like, what's going on here? So I think a lot of people are probably wondering like how you do it all because <laughs> you clearly have a firm that runs very smoothly and when not always as, what, but, hold on but when it grows and that kind of shifts a bit you go in and you fix that so like your whole goal is to keep it running smoothly as you grow and every time you double it's definitely gonna completely like we know this yeah yeah it's gonna it's, break it's gonna break right but you also Post on social media every single fucking day. Like we see well, your face. our team posts. I'm okay, and I'm getting to that. You go to conferences, mm-hmm. and you have three children. Mm-hmm. So, like, what is the secret to doing it all? Well, I'm not doing it all. So there's a lot of people behind me that are, you know. But you're recording. Like, do you? Sit yeah, but down we batch and- content. Okay, we batch content. So that's really good. And then, um, you know, when you talk about like. I have an amazing team. Like while I'm here in Vegas, they are onboarding two attorneys into the firm and I'm not there and I don't have to be part of that process. And that's like makes me the happiest is to know that I've built a firm that can onboard people and let me go do things that I need to do for the business. And they can handle those aspects. Like the more the firm can run, you know, with great people leading it without me always doing every single aspect, I think that's a success. What about decisions? So we have a weekly leadership meeting and we look at all the issues in the firm through EOS and we prioritize what are the top issues that has to be discussed. And then we work through those issues and sometimes they're hard. I meant decisions like you, um, empower your team to make decisions without you having to be the one. Can we talk about this? Yeah. Without you having to be the one that makes the decision. And I've actually taken a page from your book 
to where I felt like I was having decision fatigue. Oh, it's a real thing. Because everything was like, Maria, can you prove this? Maria, what should we do? And like, there was like one time where it was like over a banner. They're like, do you want us to order the $250 banner or the $289 banner? And I was like, I don't give a fuck. Like anything under a grand. I, it just got to the point that I was like, anything under a grand, you do not need my approval. Like make the call. It basically can dull you and you can get to like i think rex paris talks about this a lot he talks about like on the day of his big trials he wants to make the least amount of decisions possible so like he sets out his outfit he has everything pre-ordained and planned and he talks about like if you have to make too many decisions it really dulls you it really overwhelms me actually I want to hire people that I trust their judgment and like they kind of understand what we're trying to do and they're empowered. So at this point, like a lot of the hires, I'm not involved at that level. C certain hires I am like attorneys, but like there's a lot of like sh our team is hiring some um, new client coordinators, intake people. And like, I feel like Noella knows who we're trying to hire and if Tracy and her hire someone, we already know who we're looking for. Yeah. And that is such like liberation for me. It's like the one thing I'm trying to fix where I'm like, look, I trust you. And it's really neat, though, now to see them go execute on even ideas. Yes. That well, they're like, I have this idea. And like, Rudy had like this amazing idea the other day. And I was like, she brought it to me. And I'm like, it's a great idea, but you need to execute on it. Yes. I trust you to execute on it. And she did. You have to create the environment where that happens. And I'm still like working to get better because I think there's a lot of creativity in the people that work for us that is underutilized. Um, but I've thought of, I've been to a couple of masterminds lately where we've been talking about this idea. And I think we're going to do some cool things next year to um, try to get people to solve issues in the firm that they see that we as the owner, like I'm disconnected in some ways from the stuff they see on the ground. I think too, for women, women are the ones that struggle to delegate the most. We've talked about this before, yeah. And the whole idea of the monkey on your back, and I even like actually say that to my team. I'm like, you're not putting the monkey on my back. And they just laugh. Cause I'm like, so the whole concept is like somebody, like there'll be an issue internally and the team will bring it to your attention but then they feel like they're washing their hands of it because they brought it to your attention or they're asking you to solve it and i will literally say to them you're not putting the monkey on my back it's still on your back like see i won't even say that i'll be like so what ideas do you have oh no no no! i definitely <laughs> i definitely do that too like what do you think we should do i was like well when you have a couple ideas let me know yeah <laughs> you know um I think also if they come up with a solution, they're more invested in it working. A thousand fucking percent. <laughs> a thousand percent. It's forcing people to think. My biggest thing is I don't want a cast of assistants. And I see too many law firms, which is what you were describing, where you're like, everyone needs your approval. You're the bottleneck, right? A cast of assistants is, is so taxing because it's an idea that you have all these people that every move they make, they have to come to you and say, do you approve? But do you know why it could also be the case, though? I feel like a lot of times the employees are afraid to mess up because they're going to get in trouble. So they don't want to be the ones that make the decision. And to me, I think that that's like, you have to be really careful as a leader to not punish mistakes, especially a mistake that's a first-time mistake. Like, we had an issue recently 
And like Rudy and Kelly like jumped on a Zoom with me and they're like, okay, we have some bad news. And like, it was something silly. Like they had emailed like a hundred firms that they shouldn't have. And I was like, it's not like it happened. Like, I guarantee you it'll never happen again. I'm not worried about it. And they were like, why are you not upset? And I was like, because there's nothing we can do about it. I just want to make sure that this never happens again. Yeah, I think there's difference between like catastrophic mistakes and then like in the law, there's things we can do that are catastrophic. And so I always try to differentiate between fixable mistakes and catastrophic mistakes. And I would really like to avoid catastrophic mistakes. Right, but fixable mistakes that are like silly. I think that that's what also prevents employees from executing and like bringing everything for approval. Because then if something goes wrong, it's like, well, you approved it. So you have to be really careful in saying like, I always tell my team like, you're gonna fuck up. Like it's gonna happen. Like it's not the end of the world. Like I don't ever want that to keep a team from having ideas and executing. It's so true. But I also feel like I've had to grow my self-control and like I used to overreact. And like yeah. now I'm like- I'm the same. same. I'm trying to be very calm. Same. And like, same. You know, and I also try to go out of my way. It sounds so stupid, but it's very simple things. Like when they're about to make a decision, like, and if I hear about it, I'm like, I trust you. I Same thing. Like yeah. when you tell someone you trust them, it makes them trust themselves. Absolutely. A thousand percent. And it's like, I started managing people at 18, which was like so fucking stupid. Like in hindsight, like, why did they ever let me do that? Because you're so mature. Because <laughs> I was good in sales. But you get to a point where you're like, I just like, I don't want to live this way anymore. Like, and it's really neat to watch your team grow. And, and, and it's also neat to watch yourself change as a leader. The biggest challenge that we're facing right now, I don't know if you're facing this, but like with with leading people is now developing mid-level managers. So like, I feel like I have a really kick-ass team below me, but I now want my team like to have a team below them that they feel the same way about because that's the one thing that I see that creates chaos is like, if their people below them aren't, is a cast of assistance, then they start kind of getting sucked in and then it come it can, it can come down the line to me. Yeah, so Marino has worked on that a lot because his team is like, Obviously, it's all of our team, but like he manages the technical. Yeah, way more employees than me. So like it is, there are tiers and he's really worked. You have to work with your leaders on how to be leaders. Yes. And and this is like a whole nother level of training and concepts. And I'm like going through that now. And it's like really exciting to start to see that shift. But I keep like describing it to them like, I can't wait for you to have someone below you that you feel the way I feel about you in their, your role. Absolutely. Because that's a whole other level because now you're teaching someone how to be a leader. I have this quote on my wall and it says, a sign of a great leader is not how many followers you have, but how many leaders you have below you. Absolutely. And I think that like when I heard that the first time, I, it like, was such a shift for me because like when I was younger, I just didn't understand like leadership the way I feel like I've like learned in the last five years. It requires emotional maturity for sure and life experiences. There's a lot of like surface level ideas about leadership. Like you're in charge. Like that's a very basic kind of concept of leadership. That's really not leadership the way I view it or you. No. Today. You know? I don't even want to be in charge. Yeah. <laughs> 
can someone else be in charge for a little while? Um, yeah, that's how I feel right now. Like, I just want more like, again, I just want to make less decisions. Yeah. But I think that this is like an ongoing journey and they call me the um, office optimist. I could see that. <laughs> like the litigators in my firm are like more pessimistic. And I'm like, okay, guys, we need a little gin. We need a little optimism here. Actually, it was like yesterday was one of the first times that you were annoyed at my level when we couldn't get to the Uber place at the Caesars. And like Jen is typically like so chill and go with the flow. And I'm like annoyed half the time. And she was annoyed with me. And I very much enjoyed it's it. It's very rare. It's so rare. I try not to. I loved it. I was like, you're annoyed with me. <laughs> yeah. So last year I was like, how could this year get like any better? And then like the next year was even better. We're going to do an after hours podcast one of these days. It's going to be tip the scales after dark. Yeah. In what, Vegas. Would that, what would that involve? Nothing that gets posted. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on here. I'm um, an avid listener and fan. I think you've really had some amazing guests on. I have. And you ask like questions in a way that I think it's different than how I think other people ask. I think you're able to pull things out of people. So I've I'd hope so. been impressed with your interviewing skills over the last year. Thank you. I really enjoy it. I think that's like the trick. No, you're genuinely curious I about am. people. You're making law fun again, Maria. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you to Jen Gore for everything she shared with us today. If you found this story valuable, please share it with someone you want to see succeed and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh, yeah. And don't forget to leave a five-star review. It goes a long way to help others discover the show.